National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio presents. I wish my head could forget what my eyes have seen. Ten years ago, the groundbreaking firefighting movie burned took audiences closer than they'd ever been. Into the fires and into the lives of the men who fight them. Ten years in the making, the long-awaited follow-up is finally here. The workload has increased and manpower has decreased. Burn X explores stories and characters you've never seen before and continues the journey for many of the Detroit firefighters you met in the first film. Fire class, 2019. Yes, Order your two-disc ultimate edition of Burn X on DVD and Blu-ray at burnstore.com or get it for streaming and download on iTunes, Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, and Voodoo. What is a man's worth that doesn't make the world a better place? into the daily episode real quick i want to talk about the 10 of the month club from taylor's tins national fire radio is the 10 of the month for december 2022 right now our tiller time logo is going out the door from taylor for the 10 of the month club 30 dollars for the 10 five dollars of every 10 goes to an organization of our choice we chose the joey d foundation the lieutenant joseph p d bernardo memorial fund they are doing incredible things their mission is to give back to our own through firefighter escape systems firefighter safety and survival training and lectures it's an incredible organization so i need your help after the podcast go to taylorstins.com order the tin of the month thirty dollars you can put it in a stocking wrap it up as a gift or just put it up on your shelf knowing that you supported us in an incredible cause so i appreciate you I appreciate you for going after this podcast and ordering a 10 of the month. It means the world to me. Shoot me a DM or an email, nationalfireradio uh, at gmail.com, or send me a DM on social media. Let me know you ordered on. We'll get some swag out in the mail to you, a couple stickers, whatever. We'll get something out the door on top of the tin. So please, let me know you order one. Go to taylorstins.com. Order the 10 of the month club. It's tiller time, baby. It's a beautiful shield going to a good cause. Thank you. Without further ado... The Daily Episode. Hey, everybody. Jeremy, National Fire Radio, back on the podcast today. A very special guest. Have not spoken with this guy until today. Uh, I've known of him. I've watched a lot of his videos on YouTube. And it's somebody that I knew eventually we were going to align. The stars would align, and we would figure this out. Uh, today, I got Battalion Chief Brian Bassanelli out of Harrisburg, Bureau of Fire in Pennsylvania. 30 years in the fire service, 27 with Harrisburg. Harrisburg is a tough fire city. Brian, thanks for joining me, Chief. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. So I don't even know where to begin. We, we were just chatting off uh, off air before we went live here. There are so many things here, and, and it's fun because when I don't really know the guests that well, but I know of them, I have all these like preconceived ideas and thoughts of where we're going to go, and I can guarantee you they're all going to go out the window with the conversation. So I'm absolutely looking forward to this back and forth. I think what I want to hit on first um, is what I know about you and, I, and what I know about Harrisburg, right? So Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, it's a tough city. Um, it's, uh, give me a little background for the listener so they understand your, your pedigree, where you come from, because I think that will paint a picture for where this conversation is headed. Sure. So, uh, Harrisburg is about 11 square miles. Uh, three of it is river. Um, so we have, um, a tight little compact city that has a, a downtown area with some high rises. We have the state capitol complex. And then the rest of the city is there's there is an industrial corridor, some rail lines and stuff like that. But most of the city is made up of hundred year old plus wood frame and ordinary constructed singles, duplexes, and row houses. Okay. And um, it's it's low income uh, for the most part. Um, it's a city that's been struggling for many years. We got about forty nine thousand people. Uh, and at night and then during the day, it goes up to 120, 150,000 because of the businesses. Got um, it. But so give me the makeup of the department then. So what are we rolling out? What's what's our staffing look like? How many companies? Just give me the rundown on what we'd get for, you know, for a typical day. Sure. So we have three engine companies, one of which is a squad and is our, um, you know, daily rescue right. vehicle. And then we have a uh, Pierce aerial scope remount 
and we have a Pierce uh, TDA. So those are our two truck companies. And then we have a non-staffed heavy rescue uh, <clears throat> that has our technical rescue supplies. And then we also have two non-staffed utilities that, that carry our boats. Got it. So and you're, we, yeah, okay. So, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. So I was going to say, so you're suppression wise, you're riding out with three and two, right? Three engines, two trucks on a, on a, uh, reported fire. Two and two on a, a reported fire. Okay. And then when we get there and we have a working fire, we strike what we call the first alarm. It's like a fill out of the first alarm and we'll get our remaining engine company. We get a County truck company and then we get a heavy rescue from the DLA, which is the Defense Logistics Agency. Okay. And they are our RIT team. Got it. So, <clears throat> and that's why I kind of bring this up, and I'm trying to paint a picture for people that are listening, because the the, the fire duty that is in Harrisburg, um, it's plentiful. And you're riding, how many guys on, a, on an apparatus? So, basically, our engine company staffing is generally three and our truck company can be three to five. Okay. Um, it just depends. They've been doing a good job at, with hiring, uh, so we're starting to fill those spots more routinely nice. uh, than we used to. Well, that's good. That's good. So I know, right, because I know a, a bunch of guys. I've, I've been to Harrisburg several times. I've been in the firehouses there. I've gotten to meet guys that are on the job there and coming to understand the type of city it is and the amount of work that goes into the fire ground. I know that you guys are a two, three and four cylinder type department, meaning your guys are on the hustle on the go and they are doing plenty of work before they get to take a knee. And that's just expected of the men and women. hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's really not an option. Um, you know, we swore an obligation to do our job, for the residents of the city and you know we take that very seriously and when we go out there we go out there to win we don't always win but uh, more times than not we do and it's because of the dedication of those men and women that we get out there you know and we try and kick it in the ass and you know occasionally we have a good um second tier uh you know our second alarm is uh mutual aid companies from right. the county plus plus we get recall uh, of our own personnel. And, you know, they've done very well for us um, when we get to that point. But most of our work is done with that initial group of people. And you got to be prepared to go to work and, you know, take an ass whooping because it's going to happen. I love it. And and I will say this. So people that are listening, if you're not familiar with Battalion Chief Brian Bassanelli, he's got his uh, YouTube channel. And this is where I wanted to head with the conversation. I wanted to paint the picture of the department because when you click on your YouTube channel, like this morning, I took a ride to, to the, to the uh, 1900 block of Briggs Street, right? So you got a video there from January of uh, 2022, so the beginning of this past year, right? You got a video there, and we're riding along. And, I mean, you got a, a column from Quarters, you know, a header showing from Quarters, Rive on scene, good fire showing, number two, number three, right? Uh, it looked yep. like a duplex. And so I'm watching this, but what what you watch is the small city that you have with the companies coming in. One, everybody's on top of each other coming in, and that's the norm typically, Chief? Well, that day was, uh, it was a little extra on top of each other <laughs> because we, we all happened to be at our, our station two. Oh, okay. the fire was pretty close to that. Uh, normally, the second due truck, uh, is on the other side of town. Okay. Um, so, like, our town is the downtown, the uptown, and the hill. And there is a little bit of distance between them. So, you have a, a minute or two before the second half of your first alarm or Got your it. initial response gets there. But that day, um, the first new engine was on a cardiac arrest down the street. And then the other two engines and the other truck were at our station. So, of course, everybody just kind of got there at the same time. Yeah, I mean, and, and I know that happens a lot in, in a, a lot of the smaller cities where the guys are on top of each other. So it literally is get out the door because you got to get in front of the other companies. And But where I'm going with that is you have a culture of your it, it, during your command presence that uh, you like to record what you're doing. And then, which I think is critical because it, it is such a valuable training tool to come back to it later on. And really what you're doing is documenting in real time, the fire ground. 
And what I like about that is what I learned from watching that video this morning on YouTube on your channel was you, you see the hustle and how those guys arrived and went to work. There was little, little communication as to what needed to be done. I mean, you can see the discipline and understanding within your men and women of how to perform and how to operate. And, and that's certainly a testament to a city like yours and, the, and the, uh, you know, the infrastructure you guys laid. Talk to me about the importance of that command structure that you run, the command presence in the street. <clears throat> Well, I think we have to start a little bit before that. Yeah, go um, ahead, please. You know, we got it. You know, it's that that was a that was a good fire. I'm I'm proud of that fire because I think you know it showed uh, how we do what we do and in one of a you know is a better light. You know, some days you run into friction points and and it doesn't always go as you wanted it to. That day, um, I think we knocked it out of the park, and that happens because of. Uh, training, understanding our environment, understanding each other relationships, trust, and um, having strong SOPs. I, I like our SOPs in our department. They're very simple, and but they're to the point. And we stress that you got to know how to do your job, and you need to know where that job fits in to the whole scenario. So when we get there, um, I don't want to. I don't want to be barking out a bunch of orders because that's their responsibility. Company officers and firefighters, they need to know their arrival order. They need to know the jobs that are associated with that. And I expect them to go out and, and carry those out. And they do. Um, I observe the fire ground and I watch for, you know, critical safety situations. I watch for fire progression. I watch for our fire attack progression. And then if there needs to be some course correction, then I can offer that and I can communicate back and forth um, with those guys and get an idea of what they're experiencing and then adjust the incident as, as it goes. And, you know, we don't have to talk a lot. You know, I have been accused of talking on the radio more than other people, and I really don't care because I'm there to do my job. But what I want us to talk about is critical information. So I, I like benchmarking. I want you to tell me when you're moving from one floor to another floor, you know, God forbid, if something happens, I want to know where you're at. And I want to be able to see the effect that you're having on what I see from the outside. And, you know, I take my responsibility to keep these guys as safe as possible. Very seriously. It's a dangerous job. And, sure. you know, we, we could have a terrible day and we hope that we don't have that, but, you know, we want to set ourselves up to be in the best position if God forbid something does happen and, you know, we can quickly get in there and, you know, so it all plays together. You know, I think you have to just, you have to work that whole system. And then that allows me having done that with these guys, I understand them. I understand, you know, what they're going to give me, what they can't give me and, and vice versa. And we understand, uh, the communication between each other. I think it's critical. If I don't know you as a person, then I'm not going to understand how you respond under stress or any of that kind of stuff. And I need to know that so that I can, I can evaluate what's going on on that fire ground. Yeah. I mean, there's so, a, there's a very healthy and mutual respect for each, for the positions, right? Whether it's the, the position going up or the position going down only because you have a culture and structure in place that provides very clear examples of what, the expectations are and how to perform. Yeah. And, and, you know, we do pretty well at what we do over the years. Um, I, I'm, I'm proud to be a Harrisburg firefighter. And I, and I think that um, our reputation is such that we do a lot with a little bit. And I don't, you know, I don't want to sound egotistical or any of that kind of stuff, but if you come and, and watch us work, uh, our people do a good job and, we, we have a limited amount of resources. We have a huge fire problem and the, and the spread potential and the life safety potential is massive. And uh, I think we do a really good job at, at controlling that. I, um, what's so fun to see and for people to say, I mean, the fact that you just said that just reinforces what I'm, where I'm headed with this whole conversation. I'm proud to be a Harrisburg firefighter. And I know, I think every guy that I know from Harrisburg would say that. 
Like, and that's because you have that culture and that department mentality that you promote and push your people to be the best they could possibly be. And you're delivering a top shelf service. Yeah, that's our goal. I mean, I, I, for me, when, when it's about the oath, like you stood up, you raised your hand and you said, uh, I'm going to be there and I'm going to, I'm going to stand in between you and danger and do my best to protect your stuff and to protect you and make this horrible situation as good as possible. And that's, that's huge. Like it's, it's huge. And we have to make sure that everybody understands that it's, it's an obligation that you put yourself into, right? Like, so in, in one of my classes, I always ask people like, Hey, you know, how many people are volunteers here? And, you know, some people raise their hand and a lot of other people don't raise their hand or whatever. And the point of the story is every single person, career or volunteer, paid or unpaid, volunteered to do this job. Like the Gestapo didn't show up at your house and said, Jamari, you're going to be a firefighter. You worked your ass off for many, many years to get here. Well, now be here and, yeah. do, and do your job. You know, it's it's people depend on that. And, you know, it's some some people, you know, make it. Like, oh, it's melodramatic. You know, it's the same thing with the danger of our job. Like, yeah, you can minimize it. You can downplay it, but it's still there. Like, this is a dangerous job. And at any moment, no matter how prepared you are, you could end up in a bad situation through no fault of your own. Yeah. Just because you're, you're in a terrible environment. So we have to take it seriously. So it starts with, you know, building relationships with people, uh, building a relationship with yourself, understanding who you are and, and what you're capable of, what you're not capable of and working on those things, you know, having a little bit of uh, humility um, and being vulnerable to yourself uh, and to other people and say, Hey, I want to be better. Or can you help me with this or, you know, whatever, but you got to, it starts there. And then, you know, the department has a long history of having uh, good operating procedures and uh, experience and stuff. And, and then you, if you follow that, if you learn building construction and, and fire behavior and human behavior and all that kind of stuff, and then start to apply it, um, then you get to the point where you can look critically at your performance, which is way back to the beginning when you asked about yeah. the video. Yeah. No, I, no, <laughs> so, I'm glad, um, I'm glad we came. I'm, yes. Keep going, man. This is perfect. Okay. So, so, you know, one of the things, like, I like football. Um, I was never big enough to play football, but I enjoy it. And I like professional football. And a lot of times they come under uh, scrutiny because of the ridiculous salaries that they have and stuff. But they put in the effort to be as good as they are. And when you look at a professional organization like that, they, they built like million dollar theaters in their stadiums for them to watch game film. And they're not, you know, there's a tremendous amount of money at stake, but there's no life at stake. There's no property at stake. We, we go to fires and we put them out. And then a lot of times we just move on and we don't take a look at that. And we have a lot of times in the history of the fire service, we have misrepresented success, right? Yes. Like, so do the it all fire the time. went out. We do it all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, when it gets reinforced and so like the homeowner that you leave them with this smoking uh, shell of a house, or maybe the house is in the basement or whatever. And they come up to you and they say, Oh, thank God. Thank God you came. And, I, and you know, the only thing we did, is at that point is make the cleanup more difficult because we just didn't let it completely burn up. Yeah. You know, and you have those days. That's not, that is not the norm. And I'm not saying it's that way, but you know what I mean? Like, Oh, for sometimes sure. Sometimes you have a bad day, but that bad day is a win because they thanked us. They're scared of fire. So they, they thanked us. Thank you for coming and getting involved and, and helping us and stuff. So that goes down as a win. And then this is probably a little controversial and I have a lot of respect for the national fallen firefighters foundation and what they do for us. But, you know, everybody goes home is a misrepresentation of what happened. So nobody got hurt and everybody went home. That, that doesn't mean that we won. It just means you got on the bus and got to go back to your place. Right? Like it's yeah. not, 
it's it's there's a lot that we can look at and say, hey, you know, we we skated by there. We almost had a bad situation or, you know, we lost a building or two because we didn't perform the way we should. And again, I'm not saying it's always that egregious, but sometimes we don't do as good as we can. We run into friction points or whatever. We owe it to ourselves and to the people that we serve with and for to critically look at our operation and say, ooh, that was sketchy. Maybe we should try and do something better or, you know, what happened there. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I started, you know, I, I'm sometimes I'm a hot mess and, you know, I look at these videos <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> what, what was I thinking? Um, or, you know, I learned, I've learned a tremendous amount about myself yeah. by recording these. Sure. So if everything goes well, if everything goes perfectly, I can have three video cameras running on the fire ground. Right. I have a helmet cam, a dash cam, and then I have a 360 cam that I put on the command post. Got that's it. the one that gives me problems. Um, so that's why you haven't really Got seen it. any of those yeah, videos yeah, yeah. yet. Um, yeah. But, you know, and also, and this is important to say, I'm not there to make a movie. So if they turn on and they record, fantastic. If they don't, it, that's, they don't. And I'll get to the next fire and try again. But, you know, I have them set up so that they're automatically start recording. I hit the on button and that's it. Like I hit that button and forget it. And if I get all of that video, fantastic. If I don't, you know, that's not what I'm there to do. It's a bonus. So when game. we come back, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's game film, man. I mean, it, it, like, yeah, 100%. So, I mean, so yeah, tying it back to those, tying it back to the NFL, you need to, you know, those guys look, look at that. They study other people. Um, they, and I'll get back to studying other people in a second, but they, they study other people. They study themselves. They understand the behavior of the other team. So when you apply that to us, it's the behavior of the fire, the behavior of the victims. Um, you know, all of that stuff. So this, looking at it as game film and being critical in a positive way that, hey, I want to be better tomorrow. Yes. Having like a continuous improvement mindset. Like, you know, we're after, we're going after an enemy that, you know, doesn't think or, you know, it's not, it's not a living, breathing thing, Brian. Um, but it's a, <laughs> it's, it is, right? Like, yeah, so, 100%, man. You know? Ever changing, so to, super dynamic. To, yeah. yeah. You got to understand it and you got to watch. You know, we, if we have a fire and we watch the video, then we can say, look, look at that thing that we just did there. That was fantastic. That's a home run. It, it really, uh, you know, put a hit on the fire or, hey, look at, we struggled here. Or, you know, one of the funny things. So when I first became a battalion chief and was doing this, of course, not everybody's super warm and fuzzy with getting videotaped or whatever. And there was some, you know, oh, we don't, I don't know if we do that or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, I do. So, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, and now it's, hey, chief, did you get video? When, when can we see the video? And guys have come to appreciate it for what it is. And I don't have to be super critical of people because they'll police each other. You know, you, you'll be, we'll be watching a video and somebody does something a little off you know, of what we normally do or whatever, you know, you'll look and see like two or three guys like looking at that person and they're like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what I did there, you know? So yeah, it's become this thing where we, we can appreciate it for what it is. And I don't try and, you know, uh, ever show people in a bad light. Um, but some days we're, we hit a home run. Some days we have some friction and we have to overcome that. What a what uh, a but great! But it's very it's very useful for that. Yeah, and it's a it's an incredible tool. I think we, I think we demonize it because you know when, it, it depends on how you look at the situation, right? If you're willing to be recorded, then you're willing to be vulnerable. You used that word before. You're you're willing yeah. to be accountable for your actions, right? Which. In today's day and age, if you're not videoing yourself, somebody's videoing you anyway, right? The nice thing is oh, 100%. we can control the narrative and we can also use it as a tool. So instead of looking and vilifying the the video camera as a as something that could be used in a negative, why don't we promote it as a positive? And it could be the best training tool we have because how often do we get to have game film? How often do we get to see, you know, the actions 
of the OV or even as the chief running command, your initial size up, whether you walk the building or not, how you communicate on the radio, your tone of voice, creating that tempo, looking at that first line being stretched. Like these are things that if the tool of a camera is there and it can document the fire ground, what an incredible way to sit down. You want to talk about a great kitchen table conversation, play the video and talk about it. Like what a, what a great, great training tool it can be. Yeah. The problem is we have some idiots in the fire service and they don't know how to control themselves. So they put some stuff out there that creates that uh, concern because either they release video that they, you know, have no right to or shouldn't, or they're putting, you know, us acting like idiots, you know, listen, we're 12 year old boys in a clubhouse and, and, you know, that's the great part about the job, but, that's also part of the job that we don't always want to be putting out on front street. So if we can't control ourselves, then, you know, that's what, that's why we got to where we are, whether it's social media or video or whatever, because the value is there and the value is inherent and, and you can't argue that. But I, sometimes we, we do dumb things and then people are like, see, I told you. And, you know, we're really lucky in our department. We don't have, uh, very uh, aggressive social media policies or anything. Our chief has basically outlined, like, look, you guys know what you can and can't do, um, and I will trust you. And as long as I can trust you, you can do what you're doing. And, I love that. You know, I love but, the trust yeah. conversation, but that comes from a chief that's comfortable in his position and he's confident in his people. And I think that that speaks volumes. And that's why guys that work with you and yourself say, I'm proud to be a Harrisburg fireman. And that's that's what sets the tone, right? It's creating that culture that allows for things like this, that you're not going to be a detriment to the job. You're actually going to promote the job. And in fact, your videos and other videos of Harrisburg Fire Department work, promote and get the best potential candidates for your job. Because people know coming into Harrisburg what the expectation is long before they take an oath or even sign up for the test or the interview, right? They know what to expect. And you guys are getting the cream of the crop to pick from. Yeah, we, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it can be a problem sometimes, you know, but I think we market ourselves very well, uh, kind of passively. It's not like we have a, um, a plan. No, that's my, that's a hundred percent my point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We just, we just put out who we are. And if that resonates with you, then, you know, come and and try and be a part of it. And I'm sure you'll be happy that, that you did. Yeah. Um, I think the other important thing too, chief, and I just want to, I just want to say this and I'd love to pivot a little bit, but um, I think the other thing too, is how the video is received by those that are watching it after when you're watching the game film, the game film shouldn't be used as a tool to uh, to go after one another. What it should be done and the, the enlightenment of it needs to be, in fact, boosting up the game or bettering yourself. Meaning, you know, sometimes people love to uh, tear others down. And if you have a tool like a video camera where a guy makes an error on the fire ground, there's two ways to handle it. You can be the the type of boss that that rant and raves and carries on and and vilifies your work, which then means that you as a fireman don't trust that camera anymore because it's causing you angst, or you use it as a self-training tool to better yourself and better the company. And I think it's important that when you have a tool like this, how it's received and then used as a tool matters. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, going back to vulnerability, um, I, I use it and I stand to lose the most uh, from it because the camera's on me. That's right. So you, you get to see all the nonsense that I do during, during an incident. And, um, you know, if I can't be vulnerable and put myself out there, then I, I can't expect my guys to use it as a tool for improvement. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in that mix too. And, you know, you see – the good, bad, and the ugly. Sure. And uh, it's there. And But the goal is, hey, we had a fire. Let's learn from it. And, uh, you know, plus, I mean, let's be honest. Everybody loves watching fire videos. Sure. 100%. You know, that's what we do. And <clears throat> I wanted to say that before I said I'd come back to it is, you know, not only 
do I like to watch our fire videos, but I, I love watching other people's fire videos. And there's so much that you can learn. It's, it's a, it's, you know, it's going to fires without going to fires and sure. you're building that context of, uh, you know, fire behavior and, and what works and what doesn't work. Absolutely. And it's, it's huge. Uh, it's absolutely huge. I agree with you. And I, I think that the, uh, the most important thing is, is that, you know, it, or what I like the most about watching fire videos are good fire videos, meaning not just the fire itself and the conditions and so on, but it's good operating companies. When you watch effective firefighters on the fire ground can take fire showing from four windows on a second floor of a duplex and in five minutes time from, uh, you know, dispatch to arrival to water on the fire in five minutes, I'll tell you, man, there is a tremendous tempo of that video that shows a hustle and a drive to be the best you could be. That makes for a great, great video. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and when you, one thing that happens when you put videos out there is you can't really read the comments um, because no matter how, uh, how great of you course. hit it out of the park, it's not good enough. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it gets annoying sometimes because we love to, to tear each other down in that way. But, um, you know, it doesn't take away from the value of the people that are out there for the right reasons and they're watching the videos and or will ask questions and say, hey, you know, why do you guys do it that way? What did you do? Like, I'll talk to those people all day long because we get better by sharing that information. And, um, you know, it's it's a it's just a positive experience all around, in, yeah. in my opinion. No, you know? I, I would agree with you. So let me ask you this on your YouTube channel. Also, what I really like and what some of the newer stuff you've been putting out is much more like a teaching aspect. And what you're doing is you're using your response videos and your command videos to support uh, a lecture or a uh, training classroom setting, if you will, on YouTube, which I think is great because the beautiful thing about that is you're willing to put out your IP, your intellectual property, right? The stuff that you've learned over time, your information, and you're giving that out and putting it on your channel and backing it up with true fireground footage and experience. That's powerful, man. And I, I give you a lot of credit and kudos for that because so often guys are so protective of their IP and, and the message that they have that they're not willing to just put it out there. Um, I think that their message, I thumbed through a few of the videos this morning and I was picking up a couple tips and things like that and watching what you're doing. I think it speaks volumes and I think it's important that you're willing to put it out on a platform like YouTube so that other people can digest that information. I think it's hugely important. Talk to me a little bit about that process. I mean, I know you teach, you travel across the country, you teach at conferences, so you do all that too. But, man, the, the content on YouTube certainly supports and actually promotes you on the national stage, which I think most people miss. So talk to me about that process a little bit with putting your stuff out on YouTube. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting. I I enjoy teaching, um, and I enjoy sharing that information. I, I look at it this way: I, you know, I'm gonna die someday, and all of whatever I have experienced or or gathered over my lifetime is gonna go with me. And not that you know, uh, I'm not trying to like be humble or whatever, but like. You know, that means something to some people. It doesn't mean anything to other people. Yeah, and I, I get, get that. I totally like, get it. Yeah. But but I do have life experience and I do have fire ground experience and I do want to see other people uh, benefit from from the work that I have had the privilege to be a part of. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, it's a lot of it started for stuff that I wish I had coming up. You know, I ran my head into the wall a million times you know, quite literally sometimes, mm. but, um, like learning things the hard way. And I was like, man, I wish somebody would have told me that, or, you know, yeah. I wish that. And, and so that's kind of what I do. Um, I just, I want to share it with people. I, I hope that, uh, people find value in it. And for me, you know, you go figure that the things that I am most entrepreneurial with, I, I don't make any money from. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the story of all of but, us. Are you kidding me? But, That's... You know, it, it is what it is. Like, I don't, I don't really care. Like I have no problem creating a, uh, 
Instagram post or a YouTube video and uh, full disclosure, you know, there's advertising on there. So it's not like I don't make money, but I'm, I'm not buying a new car with it. No, I, I guarantee no, you that. Totally. Absolutely. But, yeah. But, um, you know, that just supports the habit of buying the equipment to do what I'm doing. And I, you know, I just want to share it with people because I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, I don't begrudge anybody who goes out and makes money doing it. Um, and, you know, if somebody's willing to pay me, I'm, I'm willing to spend that money. But I, it's not about that for me. No, at all. I get that. Not, I get it's that. not about, you know, it's just I want to share information with people. And I think it's important because, you know, something we talked about before the, the show started is that, you know, uh, aggressiveness. And we can talk more about that later. But one of the things that I uh, get concerned about with aggressiveness is context. And the only way that people can get context for situations, fire ground situations or whatever, is either to experience it or to have somebody pass it on to them. And, you know, it's tough to gain the experience that guys gained during the years when there was tons of fire. And, you know, so it's incumbent upon people to pass that on to somebody else. Um, you know, you can take it with you or you can give it away and, uh, you know, hope that it's helpful to somebody down the road if they're in a bad situation or, you know, even just responding to routine incidents like, oh, yeah, I remember we talked about that. You know, OK, good. Then that that's what I hope to accomplish. And, uh, you know, I, I try to surround myself with people that are like that, um, you know, either as mentors or or people that do it with me. Sure. And, uh, you know, get good information out there. Um, or at least good information for people that are in, you know, similar situations to us. Well, it doesn't apply to everyone. And that's what I really like about it is that you're putting out things that you wanted to see when you were coming up through the process. And what I like about it, though, <clears throat> is it's really enjoyable to see a, a, a something like that, like on your channel, where you're putting out tidbits of information and knowledge and sharing your experience and then backing it up with actually street view content that supports your lesson and i and that's what i like about it because too often you go to you go to a conference and a guy's up there speaking and he doesn't have he's got one or two pictures of a fire but he has to describe it when you when you overlay your narrative over actual street view real world experience it automatically validates the information that's being put out right because the 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 person that is choosing to watch that and learn from it will see firsthand that the information being provided is 100% authentic. And I think that that truly matters. And that speaks to the volumes of what you're, where you're going with that saying that it's something you wanted and that man, like it's an honor to do this job and it's an honor for you to pay that forward. I think that's huge. It speaks volumes. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And I, I, um, I think that, you know, I, I want to know that somebody that I'm learning from has done the stuff. And I, I try very hard not to talk about stuff that, that I'm not comfortable with sure. or I don't have experience with, you know, because I think that you can – there's there are people out there that that do that. We know that. Uh, and I don't I don't want people to, to ever think that like – I you know, if I teach a class to somebody, I'm like, listen, you know, if, if you have any questions about this, contact me. I can give you context or – Feel free to come and ride along with me. I'll show yeah. you that this this is what we do. Yeah. And well, I'd like to take you works. up on that offer. I didn't get there yet, but yeah. I'll take you up on that offer for sure. <laughs> yeah. You're, but, you'll probably on more days than not, you'll be bored out of your mind. But well, maybe, good maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've been a white cloud for so long when we do ride alongs that maybe it will change in Harrisburg. I don't know. But um, talk to me a little bit too. So with your teaching, uh, you have a class Fireground three sixty, right? Um, yes. and that talk to me a little bit about that program and, and, um, how that program came to be. So fire ground 360, the 10 never ending pursuits of a mission driven firefighter came about because I had a bunch of bad shit happen to me in my life. Yeah. And, uh, I was course corrected by the universe is the way I like to, you know, um, for, for a lot of years, I, I kind of uh coasted you know I, I admit that i've had ups and downs in my career there was a time in my career where 
I was happy to come in, throw the gear on the rig and, and chill. And then I, you know, realized that's, that's not who I wanted to be. Right. Um, you know, and for a lot of reasons, I, I was present with my grandfather when he died, uh, suddenly, and I had to ride in the ambulance, um, and do CPR on him to the hospital. Wow. Uh, I, they lost prior to that, they lost their house in a fire. Um, so I, I have real, real life experience with the downside of our job. And, you know, I don't, I don't recommend those things. I'm not, I'm not the only person, but it, it helps me to remember why I'm here. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I, I take that oath very seriously. I, I feel like I've had good mentors um, in my life, in my grandfathers and my father and, and all of my family and the people that I grew up around that, you know, uh, you have to be authentic. You have to show up. You have to engage. And, you know, our oath, we, we have the privilege to serve in, in the fire service. And we take an oath and that oath has to mean something. And <clears throat> when all this stuff happened in my life, you know, I, I lost my best friend to a, a line of duty death on a very terrible night for our department. Yeah. And um, it changed, it changed me. And then in the year after that, I fell and had a, a pretty serious uh, traumatic brain injury that took me offline for a uh, half, a uh, little over half a year. Wow. I didn't think I was coming back to, to the job. And then in the year after that, um, I lost five additional friends to line of duty deaths. And, you know, that's tough. Like people that I taught with, people that I've worked around, people that I've known for a long period of time, yeah, they, they just all started, you know, they were dying. And so it really put me in a dark place. And all of the stuff that goes along with that marriage problems, you know, your relationship, uh, friendships, you know, all of that kind of stuff was under fire. Yeah. And <clears throat> there were some people that I got to meet though, during that process that really, um, were just like these blessings that came out of nowhere and they each played a, a significant role in getting me somewhere. Uh, you know, the therapist that I had at, at the rehab center that I was at, like they forced me into some things um, that I didn't want to do, sure. you know, talking to counselors and stuff like that. But it's part of that program. And I went in there, you know, kind of kicking and screaming, like, I don't, I don't need to do this. And I came out, uh, you know, like, wow, that's the best thing I've ever done yeah. for myself. Yes. You, you know, and um, so <clears throat> there's there's people like that. Uh, you know, Gabe Angemni uh, is somebody who kind of quietly came in and made a big difference in my life. And, you know, we were talking on the phone and I was pretty, I wasn't able to do anything. Like all my filter systems were shut off. So, you know, there was too much visual, um, uh, like stimulation, too much sound stimulation when I was dealing with my head injury. And Gabe, you know, was kind of got me onto some audiobooks and different things like that and that's become a major part of my life now like i am always listening to something yeah. um and i have a that's we can get way in uh, into that's a, a rabbit hole sure but um you know but so these people came into my life and started like making these little adjustments yeah and i i was open to them and then you know i i started just saying okay i, I need to do something different or else you know, something bad is going to happen here. Yeah. And in the end of it, I put it into this program. And basically the 10 pursuits are uh, vulnerability, honesty, humility, gratitude, generosity, um, mental and physical fitness as one, uh, human behavior, discipline, personal accountability, fire behavior, building construction, and task level skill sets. And then you can also apply strategy and tactics and fire ground operations. But that's the basic program. Like, you got to start with yourself. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be honest. You have to be humble. You should be thankful for the opportunities that you have. And when you can, when you get there, 
then you can start to be generous with yourself. And then <clears throat> from the fire service side of it, obviously you have to be mentally and physically fit. You got to understand your brain's behavior and how to capitalize on that uh, and when to listen to it. You have to understand the behavior of the people that you're going to work with, the people that you're going to encounter on the fire ground. Um, you have to be disciplined. You have to have personal accountability. Then obviously you need to understand the fire behavior, building construction, building behavior while it's on fire. Uh, and then critical to all of that is task level skill sets. We're no good if we can't um, carry out the basic skills of our job. So the, like the World Cup, I'm not a big soccer fan because I, I feel like those guys lay on the ground and, and cry a lot. <laughs> um, but but I was watching the World Cup and, you know, no, that whole game, everything that they did leading up to that point, what did it come down to? It came down to can this guy kick that ball into that goal? Right. And can that goalie keep him from – Yeah from carrying that out. It's a task level skill set. And that's what our job is. It's, you know, can you stretch a line? Can you force a door? Can you throw a ladder? Like that stuff is the stuff that we have to know inside and out. It just has to happen so that when we arrive and we have this crazy situation unfolding in front of us, we can dedicate our brain power to evaluating that and making the right calls. And I'm not standing there saying, oh, are you going to, which way are we going? Or who's going to, who's going to get the halyard? Who's going to do like, you know, that's got to just happen. Yeah. And that doesn't happen if you don't prepare yourself. Well, so let me, let me all ask, of those go things. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, I, I was, was going to ask say, Chief. All, all of the, go ahead. Yeah, go. No, no, go, you go. go finish. Okay. I was just <laughs> going to say like, so those 10 things you've got to constantly be working on. And if you're constantly working on those things, you're going to be heading in a good direction. With There's this, still always work to do, but they're the core to the foundation that we can build from. Would this class have come from the Brian Bastinelli before his physical and mental trauma? Is this, um, is no, I mean, I, I, I mean, how, how much of this, I mean, there's very power. What you just talked about is super powerful. And the amount of trauma that you've had in mentally and physically, right? And to come back from that where, um, you know, you had the potential of not coming back to the job and you were able to. And then you're dealing with all these other emotions and physical scars and mental scars. But you, this class has a lot of very powerful words, vulnerability, self-accountability, right? All these things. And it, it's, yeah. it sometimes takes something to make you reflect and say, and you said it in your own words, something to the, to the extent that I had to make a change or I was headed down a bad road. Right. And, yeah. and so, you know, I'm just curious, this class came after all of this or was, was it this? Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, so those, those were the darkest days of my life. And, yeah. um, you know, you, you don't know the half of it, No, but, I, but it just, it just, it was tough. And at some point I was like, okay, is, I feel like I'm an inherently positive person. I like to have fun. Like I don't get up in the morning and be sure. like, Oh, who am I going to be mad at today? Or, sure. you know, like I just want to have a great day. And, um, it, that wasn't how I was living. Yeah. And it was, it was taking a, a toll on me. And, but I, I met, during that time, like, I don't know what you believe, and I don't even know what I believe half the time, but there were people that were put into my life yep. at that time yep. that made those little comments or, hey, why don't you try this? That made absolutely fundamental changes in my life. And, you know, at the time uh, when Denny was killed, he was my, my best friend and – he was a good person. Like nobody ever says like, oh, that guy that died was an asshole. Like we don't say that, but I'm, I'm serious when I say like right. Denny was a good person. Um, you know, not unlike my grandfather, when, when my grandfather died, he was a like a production engineer at a garment factory. And when he died, there was hundreds and hundreds of people that came to his viewing. And the stories that we heard about the work that he did that we knew nothing about. Yeah. For, for people Wild. was just 
it was emotional. Like sure. it was just overwhelming. And Denny was that kind of guy. Like we've got the same thing. Like, oh yeah, he stopped on the side of the road and helped me change my tire one day because I was in a bad spot on the road. Like stuff that like, you know, you want to hope that you will do for other people, but these are people that did it. Yeah. And yeah. You know, when he when I lost him when we lost him um that was tough because he was like the moral compass and it was it was like wow like we were kind of adrift i i feel like after that and then the head injury happened and that's kind of when those people started to come into my life and i was like okay it doesn't have to be this way and but at the same time they pulled no punches you have to do the work like they weren't there was they were offering things to me but i had to reach out and sure. grab them sure and then i had to do the work sure. and it's a that's a never-ending process I, please do not hear me saying that i've done that and it's complete that happens every day i, I think and, yeah. and go ahead when you when you don't like you lose ground I, I get it. And um, I, I first off, thank you for sharing such stories with us because I, it's just it's super powerful. And knowing the audience in our community, people that are going to listen to this, I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate with with tragedy in their lives and how it's it's how you deal with it, how you come back from it, if you come back from it. And I, I think, though, hearing your story today and, and you know, and learning about it, um, super powerful, man. Um, and the fact that, you know, uh, it's 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 made an impact and a difference on you and uh, and so on. And now through your abilities of teaching and self-reflection, you're, you're able to put together a program that uh, is probably not only educating the the end user are firefighters, but it's also a way of healing for you. I'm I'm assuming. Yeah, I think so. I think my therapist would probably agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just powerful, yeah. man. It, it really is. Um, and I, you know, thank you for sharing that because I think you're gonna make a difference in somebody listening to this podcast. I think it makes a difference. And when guys are willing to share stories like this and be vulnerable about you know, where they were in life and, and, and what they did to come back from it or, or how they cope. I think it's just very powerful. Um, and yeah, uh, no, I, I agree. And a hundred percent, like it's the same thing as, as passing on fire ground information. Yeah. It, it was not me who initiated this process. It was other people who stepped into my life and took the time to care enough about me to get involved and say, Hey, I think you should do this. One of those people, and I don't want to not mention her, is Dina Ali. Um, you know, I had met her through our conference, and we became friends. And she she knew something was off, and she got me to go to North Carolina to this uh, PCIS, this post critical incident stress seminar, and that was life changing. And at the same time, something had happened to somebody else in our department, and I was able to bring him in on it, and it was the same thing for him. Like, so we have to, we have to take care of each other. You know, we are a brother's keeper and that has to mean something as well. You know, we love to throw around brotherhood in the fire service, but like that's true brotherhood when you're, when you're, when you're willing to put yourself out to take care of somebody else. I, I wish that we did more of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. It's powerful. So what's next for you? What do you got going on? I mean, what's exciting for you right now? What's... Well, I'd like to go to some fires. Yeah, there that you would go. be cool. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but uh, now I'm just going to. I I think I've reached the point in my career where I'd like to to be. Um, I love my job. I love uh, the deep platoon um, that I get to work with. The guys are fantastic, and I'm I'm loving life. So I love going to work and getting to work with those people, um, and I love working in the city of Harrisburg. So I'm going to do that as long as I can. Um, it's fantastic. You know, and, you know, I'm going to just keep teaching some classes. I promise that I'm going to get some more editions of the uh, Firemanship Journal published. Nice. Um, yeah, thank you. You know, you know what? I'm, thank you for bringing that up, by the way. Thank you. Talk about that a little bit because a lot of people probably are not familiar because, you know, our audience is all over, right? So um, just talk about that a little bit, Brian. Okay, so... Uh, 
several years ago, we started the firemanship conference in Harrisburg, the art of firemanship, and that's kind of run its course. Uh, you know, if you ever want to ruin your life, start a fire conference. That's a good, good way to do that. Um, but it's, I mean, it's fun. I, it's, it's not all bad. It's fun. And, uh, but I'm not sure where that stands in the future. Uh, however, out of that, I just kind of decided like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool to, to do a magazine? I didn't know anything about running a fire conference. And for those of you who were there in the beginning, you understand that I didn't know how to do that. And but we got better and it was the same thing. I was like, well, what else don't I know about? I don't know about publishing, so let's do that. And uh, so I created this magazine. Uh, Brian Yonkin uh, helped out a lot with that. And we started putting out uh, Firemanship, a journal for firemen. And basically it's, a, it's an unfiltered, uh, it's not as rough as I had envisioned it would be, like around the edges, it, it is a little more polished than I wanted it to be. But it's a journal that comes out uh, when I get the time to put it out there. And it's it's for firemen, by firemen. Uh, there's no advertising. Uh, it's free to download. You can buy a printed copy of it if you, if you want. Um, but it's pretty much free to just share. And everybody that participates in it knows that we're just sharing information. So the articles are all over the place. And, you know, we don't do a lot of um, editing of the articles and stuff, which is funny because uh, if, if you're a, uh, if you know the history of the magazine in the first edition, I actually spelled editor wrong. Um, <laughs> and I was like, that's a great way to, great way to start, you know, but like, it's just, you know, people send us stuff, we put it out there and, you know, we try to have it be kind of like the kitchen table in a, in a magazine form. And I'm a nerd for like magazines and stuff. Like I know that the industry is kind of changing, but again, I, I was missing stuff in the magazines that I got. Not that there's not good information out there, but I was missing what I wanted to read. Yes. So we just kind of said, Hey, let's, let's try it. And you know, I, I wish that I could get it out more often than I do, but it's we're going to work on that. It's supposed to be quarterly. It's never been quarterly yet, but. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. maybe, maybe, you know, it's just, maybe we can chat offline. I'd, I'd love to see uh, where we can get mixed in there. So I, I think there's tremendous value in assets like that. Um, and I think that when the mission is pure and it's by firemen for firemen, I think uh, I, that message matters, and it, it comes through in the content, and it comes through in the delivery. Um, and I, I'd love to see it um, out there, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, yeah. but anyway, we'll chat about that. But yeah. uh, that's exciting. I mean, that's fun. And, uh, and I, it's got to be another way that you're giving back, which I think is, is, is fantastic. Um, and so, I like, thank you, brother. What a, what a great conversation today. Um, yeah, really appreciate I, I it. I, yeah. Go ahead. No, I just I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the conversation and uh you know, thank you for you know reaching out and uh I appreciate that you know you find enough value in what I was doing to to say, Hey, let's talk about it. So, Absolutely. And I, you. I you know, it's funny because when, when that conversation comes up and they're like, you know, how do you pick who you talk to? I said, I talk to everybody. I'm like, every, everybody has a story, right? And it's like yeah. I don't I don't just focus on like the the guys that are out there doing national stage stuff or whatever. I I want to talk to anybody that has a story and they want to they they want to tell a story. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter where you come from. It could be the smallest city in Pennsylvania to the the largest city in Hawaii. It doesn't matter. We all have a story, and uh, yeah. I think stories are important. And I think the the storytelling is getting lost. And for me. That's what National Fire Radio truly was built on four and a half, five years ago now is really that, capturing the stories and, and putting it out there in perpetuity that, you know, in 30 years from now, somebody can come and find Brian Bassanelli's uh, podcast and, and be able to listen to your words. And in 150 years from now, they can be referenced again. I think that that's powerful. And we're putting together a living testament and legacy for the fire service. And, and that's always been done through storytelling. And I think that yeah. that's the most important thing. And I think what you're doing with your YouTube content, 
um, and the and your in the journal, the firemanship journal, like those are living ways to deliver a message on today's you know uh, in today's way. And so, as much as right. you know, the storytelling might be you know at the bar or the back room or on the apparatus bumper. You know, it can also be done on YouTube, and if it's done correctly. It's a really good message, and it's a powerful message to bring something across. So uh, kudos to you for recognizing, you know, ways of delivering a good message on, on the channels that are, are, you know, capturing attention. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, a testament to what you're building and what you're doing. And uh, I look forward to see what more you have in you. And uh, looking forward to it, man. Thank you, Chief. Appreciate you joining well, me today. Yep. yep, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. And we'll get together again because once the guy's on the platform, you're always welcome back anytime something comes up. So you're always welcome back on the show. Uh, I'd love to have you back another day. And uh, thank you for joining me today. Just hang out. I'm going to close out on the podcast and then I'll come right back to you. All right. All right. Cool. Guys, yep. thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Battalion Chief Brian Bassanelli out of the Bureau of Fire in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Check it out on YouTube. Brian Bassanelli, he's got uh, he's got a great YouTube page where he's putting out a lot of good training content, but also a lot of first-do video-type work also. And it's a real good understanding of the city of Harrisburg and how they operate. And um, you want to be a fireman? That's the city you want to be a fireman in. So thanks for tuning in. Take the conversation today. Take it back to the firehouse and talk about it. Because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.